Grace, mercy, and peace to you. From God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. October 3rd, 18, or excuse me, 160 years ago, Abraham Lincoln addressed the people of the United States with this Thanksgiving proclamation that we spoke earlier. Thanksgiving, after 50,000 sons would not return home for that proclaimed day. They lost their lives on the Gettysburg battlefield in July of that same year. Thanksgiving, after the death of Lincoln's own son, William, in February. 13 years after Edward died. Thanksgiving in a divided United States, divided by civil war. Tomorrow is to be our national day of thanksgiving, and yet our nation is divided, black and white, red and blue, supporting Palestinian or Jew, detained money for home or the Ukraine. There are those whose spouse and child will not be at that thanksgiving table. Lincoln proclaimed that we have been recipients of the choicest bounty of heaven. We have been preserved for these many years in peace and wealth and prosperity. We have grown in numbers and wealth and power like no other nation has ever grown. And yet he confessed, intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray. And yet, tonight, we find ourselves here. Is it true for the rest of the people of our nation? We have at our fingertips more information than could fill all the libraries that existed at the time of Lincoln, at the touch of our phone, where AI is no longer a familiar farm term to build animal pedigrees, but now is the ability to have information gathered, arranged, and distributed in more perfect than a human could write. Artificial intelligence. Many don't have to leave their home for work. Some not even for school and even for play. Hours in front of a screen. With all this in mind, I selected this prayer from Proverbs chapter 30. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither prosperity nor riches, or excuse me, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. How is it that we measure our wealth or our poverty? How do we measure our need 
for what is even enough. Look at the children of Israel. Scripture says that the Lord provided manna for for them. Can anybody tell me what it means? Manna, what does it mean? What is it? That's right. What is it? They had no clue what the Lord had just given to them on the ground. Sometimes the Lord brings things into our lives which we do not know or thing, we do not know what it is or what it means. For the children of God, though, they did not know what it means. Manna was the answer to their grumbling. You see, their grumbling was not a prayer. It was a grumbling against the Lord's servants, both Moses and Aaron. The children of Israel needed to learn and to teach us to turn our grumbling into prayer. It should have been obvious to them, shouldn't it? That the Lord could do so much. He had led them out of Egypt. They were free from the daily grind and the treadmill of death. God had delivered them. The Lord had pressured Egypt so much that Egypt wanted them out of there. And take what you want. Here, take, we'll give it to you. And they left rich more than they ever had, ever had. And yet, they complained. They grumbled that it was better in Egypt and that the Lord was intending to kill them. This was not a prayer. This was an accusation against the Lord himself that the Lord was worse than Pharaoh. And yet, what does the Lord do for them? He provides for them food and giving them directions. And when they get what the food that they need, they become hoarders. First, they were afraid that they wouldn't have any tomorrow. So they saved it to morning. Second, when they were commanded to gather twice as much, some of them still went out looking when there was none. Why should the Lord do this and do it this way? Because getting fed and eating are not the most important thing. As it says here, the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? And so it is in the gospel reading when the Lord, when the people are seeking Jesus, Jesus points out, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me because you saw signs, but because, well, if you want to put it in terms today, you got your Social Security. Do not work for food that perishes, he said, but for food that endures for eternal life, which now the Son of Man will give you. In whatever situation we find ourselves in, Jesus does indeed want us to seek him, but not to make our lives comfortable, but to have the food that endures for eternal life. We as human beings like our comforts, don't we? That's why we save for our retirement 
why we take out loans for education, for our houses, our cars. We want our children to succeed and not to be a burden on us. And so we involve them in sports and dance and get good grades and make something of themselves. But you're here tonight because Jesus is important. That is the question. Do we have Jesus? We as parents and grandparents want things to be right for the generations to come. Sons and daughters, we want things to go right for us as well, don't we? It is hungering and thirsting for rightness, for fairness. Well, let's push it to the max, like Jesus said. Hungry and thirst for righteousness. You ever have those times when things didn't work out as planned? There'd probably be some things at Thanksgiving, won't there? Well, we've all had them. And Isaiah says, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. You see, when things don't work for us, or excuse me, when things do work out for us, even then, they're not right for everybody. And certainly, they won't measure up before God. We are certainly disappointed and even devastated when people look at, at what we have produced and it is not good enough. So what does God do? He doesn't leave us until we behave. He gives us his own righteousness, his own son, and says, I, who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Well, I had one of those days Monday. It was an awful day. My Sunday sermon wouldn't come together. The audio guy came here and didn't give me good news. I visited Carol Metcalf, and she isn't doing well. And I went and visited another patient had an emergency meeting for a Red River Lutheran School Association, and I was done. Yeah, you probably had those times as well. But it wasn't until I could rest in Jesus that I was once again okay. Was all the world right? No. But because of Jesus and his forgiveness, it was all right. For most, if not all, there will be something at our Thanksgiving table. Let's take the time to list all the hands that it took to get that turkey and those mashed potatoes to be on our table. Those who cooked and those who shopped. Those who sold and those who owned the grocery stores the truckers who transported, the workers in the barns and the fields, the farmers and the mechanics, those at the grain elevators and the potato houses, those who researched the breeding and the genetics, and so many more. These are the marvels that God has done to have those at your table and to feast. 
and then to remember those who weren't there. What makes the difference is Jesus. Jesus, they may not know, but you do. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. In this earthly life, the Lord has given us so much to be thankful for, even to praise God that the building that we sit in now after 60 years is paid for except for the roof. What a blessing the Lord has given to us. And yet, with Jesus, we also have an eternity to be thankful for, even for those that are with Jesus. For we will be with him forever. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.